this morning after service, and um, she just expressed her need for the church's prayers, and uh, no, not <clears throat> not been very long since Brother Chuck went to be with the Lord, and I know the absence is still there. Um, I personally have never experienced that, but for those of you who have, I know that you can sympathize with her and others, but let's keep praying for them. Uh, we, we understand the hurt. We just don't understand the death, uh, those of us who haven't. But remember that. Remember Sister Sandy's mom. Remember the Spring family. Uh, can remember Mariah. Remember the praises that we have had. And those that are not able to be with us, Sister Mary's test on the 30th. Remember that in your prayers as well. Any others tonight? Well, stand with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you, dear God, for allowing us to be in your house, Lord. Father, I thank you tonight for the precious gift that you've given me in salvation. Lord, your anointing, dear God, we pray, uh, Father, never uh, seems to slip our mind. But, Father, we ask you tonight that you would just touch, Lord, each and every heart, each and every soul, each one who's here. God, save the lost. Father, draw back the backslidden. Lord, I pray, help us to have our eyes open and ready, dear God, to see and know that, Father, when you return, dear God, we're ready for that. Lord, I pray tonight that you just touch those who are unable to be with us. Speak to the hearts of those who choose not. And dear God, we pray, Father, this evening, Lord, for those who don't even realize they need to. Dear God, convict their hearts and help them. And we'll give you glory, Father. We'll give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and grab your blue book and let's turn to page 140. 140.
Go ahead and turn to page 
and flip over to page 98. Page 217. 217. Some glad morning when this life is over. Celestial show. 
I'm certainly glad tonight to know that we have a faithful God. And I know it's song night, but like I always say, if you give me a few minutes, I'm going to take them. It wasn't me. got your Bibles, go over to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We won't spend long here this evening, but based upon um, the message this morning, this is another part of a heed to us, and the church has got to be prepared, and one of the things that I think that um, God has put on me uh, of late is, is mixing of things there. One is love for his word. And we need to love for God's word. And I'm going to tell you right now that um, there is a lack of love for the word of God. And that's not to be too uh, mean, but um, a long time ago I thought it was real impressive if you could take one verse of scripture and preach 45 minutes to an hour on it. The truth of the matter is, one verse of scripture without any other scripture to back it up is not showing a, la a love for God's word. It's just showing your ability to talk. I'm not trying to be too mean, but let's just be plain about it. You need more scripture. And so I've developed a, a love for the word of God. And in so doing, I've realized that this Bible has been telling us all along for a long time. It's warning to the church. Now, it's a heed to sinners who are lost that they need to be saved and that they need their lives to be changed. They need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And there's no way that you can divide that out of here and say, well, you know, it isn't there. But the other side of it is a lot of times we think the Word of God is only written to those who are lost or backslidden. And it's not. It's written to those who are saved. And in so doing, it's challenging those who are lost and those who are backslidden to get right in the Word of God. Remember I said this morning we're living comfortably at the point of tragedy. And that's the attitude of the church. At ease in Zion, comfortable where we are. And yet we know this, that God really knows our true um, heart. He knows, he knows our reality. He knows our facts. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you would stand with us, we'll go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get right into the word. So after we're done, you can be seated. Father, tonight I thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. I thank you, dear God, for the blessings you give us, Lord, and asking you, Father, tonight, help me. Dear God, I honestly believe that, uh, Father, you've granted us the time that we're here. Lord, we should use it wisely. Lord, I appreciate the songs, and I'm thankful, dear God, Lord, for the encouragement and the joy that they give us, the uplifting the spirit they bring. Father, now as we go to the Word, I pray, dear God, you'd use it to do the same. Father, drawing us closer to you and helping us, Father, be that which we need to be for thy name's sake. We'll praise you, Father. We'll thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, says this, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. 
For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, if that's to be understood this evening and believed, we understand this, that Paul is telling us we ought to be wise enough to understand what's going on. It's like I was saying this morning towards the outer end of the service there, that, that people are no longer ashamed of their sin. They're no longer ashamed of their defiance towards God. They're no longer ashamed of the fact that they're separated from God. And I will just say this, they're not even ashamed in the church today that they're not living according to the plan and the will of God. And they're not ashamed that they're distorting it, nor are they ashamed of the fact that they don't believe it. Instead, they just go ahead and continue on living their lives as if whatever said doesn't mean anything to them. It's got to be for somebody else. And yet, as I was saying there, the church, the Bible's written so that the Christian, so that the church would understand what's going on and understand that as it's going on there, it's just fulfilling the word of God and giving you and I a better insight and more, I, I guess would say, more clear evidence that what God has said in his word is right and should be followed and heeded. So when Paul says, but other times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, he's expecting you and I to be as what Timothy was said to be, and that we were to study ourselves, to show ourselves approved, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word truth. In other words, we was to already be understanding the word of God, if you would think about it that way. The timeline may be different in some aspects, but it's clear in the person of this, that Paul is saying that you and I as Christians, by the time we're getting here, ought to have already realized that what was said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then going through there and the rest of the testimonies of it starting in Acts, has, it's already there giving us the evidence of what Jesus said in Matthew 24 is right. And that's where I was going to go this morning, but and, and I thought maybe I'd go back there this evening, but, but I'm not. I'm just telling you that when you study the Word of God and you realize and you get to this point here, Paul is telling them there's not really any need for me to reiterate what's going on. You already should see it. It's evident. It is evident. Remember there, the Bible says that, there, there, that, that, the, that the, the great falling away, the son of perdition is revealed. I mean, you'll see all of these things that are going on there, and, and then we're, we're going to understand even more than what we do. And yet today, I realize this, and I said it again, there is not an ability to fall away unless you ever got close to it. You cannot fall out of something you never got on. It's just, it's just that way. And people are falling away from God. They're falling away from the churches. They're blaming everybody else. I, I love what, and I, and I, I kind of added to what was uh, said this morning, but, but I love this place that, that, that uh, Pastor Zorn had said because it's so true. More people quit church because of what people have done to them instead of staying in church for what Jesus has done for them. That's just the falling away. They're falling away from the one who loved them, saved them, brought them out of sin. I mean, I don't know how many people I've heard in my lifetime say this. Well, I, God brought me out of my sin. God brought me out of a terrible place, but the church destroyed me. So what God done for you, you're going to let somebody take away from you? Just a sign of the times. Holding on is no longer holding on. Holding on is letting go in this day and age. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. In other words, he says this, in your heart you already know this is true. You yourselves know perfectly 
why the Bible has told us that Jesus so comes in a day and an hour when we think not, when we're not looking for him, when we're not aware of his coming. Realize this, if everybody was looking up to heaven, and, and I'm, I'm just ab-living something high, but if everybody's looking up to heaven, would there really be any need for Jesus to come with the sound of the trumpet? If we're looking up and we're prepared, would there be any need? I mean, we would see him come, and the thing of it is this way, church, and I'm not saying we're not paying attention for, for that the Lord could come, but I'm saying that when he comes, it's going to be a sudden, unexpected time. We're already in a comfortable position. I, I would say this, there were several years back there that, that probably the church folks thought he has to come. Because remember, in 1990, before we ever had our first time, we were going through Walmart. And I shared this story, me and Ned was walking through Walmart, and we thought things were bad. 30 years ago, we're walking through Walmart, and we're thinking to myself, God's got to come. It cannot get any worse than what it is. And 30 years later, it's worse than what it was. But can I tell you one of the scariest things that I realized, too, that if there is a great revival that does take place because everybody wants it, I'm afraid it might be a fake one. It might be one set up by the Antichrist, and people will be led astray even farther because they're going to get caught up in the emotions instead of watching in the Spirit. Think about it for just a second. The Bible is true. It says that they will wax worse and worse. And in this, we all hold into this thing here that Jesus in, in Isaiah, it says in the last days that God said that he will pour out his spirit on their, his children. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men, or your old men shall dream dreams, and young men shall see visions. And it goes on and talks about all these things here. And so all the folks are going around saying, well, this means that there's going to be a great revival because God's pouring out his spirit. Let me tell you what I'm looking at tonight and what I think here is we're confusing the two things. A great revival is when God's spirit is already out. Why? Because people are saved. They're stirred. God's saying this. He's going to pour out his spirit, and I may be wrong, but God, he's, he's going to pour out his spirit. They're going to tell the truth. And I read there today, and I was looking at it this morning even, there's 15 times in the word of God, and it said, and they would not hear. Now think about that one for a second. God would say something, and they would not hear. Verse 3, for when they shall say, now here's the problem, church, peace and safety. What would happen, honest and truly, what would happen if all of a sudden every church in Fort Smith and all the surrounding areas, every one of them started to be filled up with people? What would, what would happen? Oh, man, the hand of God's moving. Look at what's happening. We would get... And we would become also, and we would begin to do this, which we always do every time there's a presidential election that goes the way you want it to. All of a sudden, now everything is rosy. 
seems to be that Rosie gets over real fast every four to eight years. You know? Now all of a sudden it's doom and gloom. Peace, peace. Hey, everything's going my way. But when it comes to spiritual peace, the peace that people are going to look at, remember the devil is going to be given the opportunity to do great signs and wonders. The Bible says that things were going on that day, that if you go into Matthew again, that, that the things that will be going on in that day are such that if time was not shortened, the very elect of God would be deceived. So peace, peace, then sudden destruction. says, for when they shall say, peace, peace, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness. Now look at that. Not in the darkness. You're not in the darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Why? The church should be ready. The church should be prepared. Matter of fact, when I say it this way tonight, it's going to be a shame if anybody inside this church building, if God was to come tonight, it would be an absolute shame for you to be left here. Why? Because you've heard all your lives that you need to be saved. You need to be right with God. You need to get Jesus in your heart and follow him. And, and I will say this. At the same time, it will be a shame if others who are not here tonight are left behind. Because they that have come here know, and I will say this, there's no way you could have been here in the last 15 years, let alone in the last 60 years, and not know that Jesus Christ is must be your Lord and Savior. And you need to be prepared because he is coming as a thief in the night. But the hardness of men's hearts will drive them away from God and will separate them from ever receiving inside their lives, inside their hearts, inside their souls, the reality of the truth of God's word in which that should drive them to be so much in love with God that nothing else around them would matter in the aspect of this, that they're not going to get sidetracked from service to Jesus. But the world is distracted not long ago, I preached, listen to the right voice. We should. But ye, brother, not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. An amazing thing there, Paul says, you shouldn't be warned. You don't need that I warn you. He tells us that we know what's going on. He tells us then when they say something we ought to not know, uh, 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 that, that, that they say something that's going to distract us, we ought to realize the truth of the matter. Then he tells us who we are in Christ Jesus. He tells us what we are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, therefore let us not sleep. Don't get comfortable as others do sleep. There are a lot of folks asleep tonight. Spiritually speaking, they're no longer concerned and they're no longer worried. They're not even bothered 
You know, that's the scary part. They're not even bothered. People are no longer bothered by their sins. You have a Bible in your hand and church not even be affected with this today. You can have a Bible in your car, put it into a liquor store, buy a six pack, and not even be bothered with it. You just, you just stop to think about it for a minute. You can you, there, there are so many things that Christians do today that should bother them and never bother them. The, the word is in, in sight, the word is within reach, the word is there for the taking, but yet it doesn't get inside, and therefore it's not inside, it's just on the outside, and sin is going rampant, and it doesn't bother. It's not a problem. You know, I, I hate these words. You know I hate these words. Why do you hate these words? Well, you know why I hate these words. I hate it when somebody says, God understands. I hate that. Because it's Churches are asleep because they're spiritually sleeping. Look at verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. If you jump back over to the book of John, chapter 3. Our, our 
aren't you glad to know tonight the Bible's true? Here a little and there a little. And when you get a little here and you get a little there and you listen to what it says, not trying to twist it to say what you want to say, but you listen to what it says, it always reifies itself. Verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. See, Jesus doesn't want you to be condemned. He wants you to be saved. Therefore, he convicts you so that salvation can come. He doesn't want to suppress you and put you down in the spot and say, you're dead, you're doomed, you're lost, you're not, not, not. He's not sitting there holding you down. Instead, he's got an outstretched hand to lift you up. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is already condemned. That's why he didn't have to condemn you. You're condemned because you didn't believe. He said because they, they, that he, excuse me, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now think about this. Jump back over there. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that are drunken, be drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. We're not of the darkness, church. We're of the daytime. Why? Because we don't love the evil deeds any longer. We love the light of Christ. I, I was reading over there just in the latter part of the book of Revelations for a moment this afternoon there, and I was thinking this, and I read down there, and Jesus said, I am the bright. What does bright mean? Light and morning star. That's, that, you can see something there. He's the bright morning star. He's not a burnout light bulb. Why should we as Christians be burnout? I mean, think about it. Let your light so shine doesn't mean to put on the dimmer switch and turn it down a little bit. And yet we'll turn it down because we don't want to be offending anybody. And yet the guy over there giving out the four-letter words and talking about all kinds of other stuff for the gal over there, and, and they're talking about this, they're not worried about offending me, but I've got to be worried about offending them by saying something about Jesus, by standing up and being light in a darkened world, by, by showing that I'm going to be an example of godliness and holiness and righteousness, and I'm not perfect, but I'm striving for perfection because I serve a perfect Savior. We're supposed to put on a breastplate of faith and love. We're in the helmet, the hope of salvation. Verse 9, for God has not appointed us into wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. In other words, church, whether I die now or die later, whether I'm dead when the Lord returns and so forth, we have the resurrection, the dead in Christ shall rise first, we going up, and then they that which are alive and reign be gathered up. Hey, it doesn't matter whether I'm awake or I'm asleep, it doesn't matter. We're going to live together with him if you're right. 
Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. Can I tell you tonight, church, therein lies our hope in Christ Jesus and in Him only. In Him only. We're supposed to live godly to encourage one another, help one another, strengthen one another, help show one another that we can do this. I, I, I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I've not talked about it in a little while in this aspect here, but I'll go ahead and talk about it for, for just a minute. But, but, but think about it this way. Sister Donna Fay, cancer has now been in your body how many years? Ten Brother Jerry come down with it. Taking treatments. They got a clean PET scan. Brother Donald come down with it. Took out seven tumors. They got a clean scan there. And now after taking treatment though. But but when we look at it, everybody hates the C word. I, I know I do. Whenever cancer is mentioned, I hate it. But I can tell you this much. If you want to go through some places where there's some hope and there's some faith and there's some assurance. And you know God can do all things through Christ, right? We can do all things through Christ Jesus. God has got it all under control. We got testimony after testimony after testimony that tells you you may get the seed, but you don't have to give up. We got more to praise God for in that aspect than we even realize. Encourage, edify, strengthen, pass along. Let people know, can I tell you though, church, and I will just say this, if you don't show up, don't get anything, you're, don't expect it to jump through the television, don't expect it to jump through the, the Facebook, encouraging words help everybody, I'm going to tell you, you want real edification, you need to show up. You want to help me? Show up. Let's be honest. Preacher gets happy when people from the church start showing up. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love and for their worst sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Church, the peace that we have should not be because there's nobody left, but because we got it right with the Lord. Going on. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. There's the first thing that we talk about. What's the church's duty in this aspect? We ought to know. We ought to be prepared. We ought to know these things. We've got to get them right and so forth. Go through there. Go all the way down through there, knowing one another. And then he says, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Not everybody's going to get it right away. That's why I was saying this morning, I, 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 I mean, I've been here 15 years. I love it here. I don't believe God's moving me from here. I don't feel that in any way, shape, or form. I'm looking forward to retiring here. And when I say retiring, retiring from the gas company, spending more time down here. By the way, if everything goes right, in about six weeks, I'll have about six to eight weeks. And I told Ned, I said, we might as well spend more time down at the church. I may not be able to do anything but be here, but you'll know where I'm at. Call me if you want to. Me and Ned, we, we kind of like company every so often. I'll be honest about it. Preachers and preachers' wives need to feel like they're needed. 
not just tolerated. I love mowing the turf. I do. Makes me feel like I'm useful. I need to remember my weed eater. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow after that which is good both among yourselves and all men. Then he says these words, Rejoice evermore. Church, we'll be rejoicing when we know who Jesus is in our lives. And we know that we're living where we need to be living. We'll be rejoiceful. And we will rejoice the more when we see others doing it as well. And I will say this, no greater rejoicing in heaven, right, over any other, when one sinner comes to repentance, there's no rejoicing greater in heaven than, than one soul is saved. It ought to be the same way in the church. Pray without ceasing. This is the attitude the church should have in it. Prayer. We should have an attitude of prayer that continues every day and everything gives thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I told Brother Don, he said he's praying that I don't have to have this surgery. I'll tell you the truth, Brother Don, I'm praying the same way and we talked about that, but I just said this. Brother Gary has said that he's praying that I don't have to have surgery. And if I still, if I don't, I'm going to stand up here and say, God, touch me, heal me. It is a miracle in that aspect there. I'm going to give him all the glory, but on the same hand, if I go underneath a knife, I want this to be done. I want God to get the glory out of that. I mean, there, there's going to be a reason. I've been praying about this and asking God whatever his will is, but at whatever happens, I want God to get the glory, and the glory all belongs to God, and the benefit of the result belongs to God. Whatever comes, transpires, it's got to be God. I'm just, I'm thankful. Quench not the spirit. Church, I've really been trying to do my best not to quench the spirit because you know what? A lot of times I feel like we got to do certain things a certain way or sometimes like that. And sometimes I think, what will anybody say if I do X? And the, the truth of the matter is this. I don't care what you do as long as I know what God does. That's the way we really ought to feel about it. If you feel like saying amen, go ahead and say amen. You're not going to scare me. the truth. You want to come to the altar while I'm preaching? Come. You want to come while they're singing? Come. You say, Brother Ernie, I don't want to disrupt the service. By sitting there knowing you need to come, you're disrupting the service. You're quenching the spirit. You ought to move when the spirit of God leads to move. That's when you got to come. Is not prophesying. I'm going to tell you this there is no new prophecy under the sun. None. It's right here. Somebody tries to tell you they got a new, new, new word of God, you just stick cotton in your ears and run the other direction. There is no new prophecy. When he says they shall prophesy, it means that they're going to talk about the word of God. They're going to talk about the things that God has done. There is no new word. This is the word and the only word we need. But he says, don't despise it. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Prove it. Make sure it's good. I'll be honest with you. Somebody offers me something I've never had before. I don't get a full plate of it. I get a little spoon of it. 
think about it. The old saying is, if it sounds too good to be true, it is, right? Well, that's only with some things, but it's not with God. Here's the problem. Some people read one verse of Scripture and say, well, no, that's just not for me. Instead of reading the whole Word of God and realize why that one verse is in there. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Now, church, that goes beyond appear, stay from all, abstain from all evil. It goes to going further out there. Look at what you're doing. Does it appear to be evil? Is it distracting from God? Is it going the wrong way? And, 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 I, and I, I've said this before, and I'll say it one more time tonight, just so you understand. When I was growing up as a as a teenager, I had no business in the liquor store, but the but the guy who I worked on the blueberry farm for, the only place in town that would cash his check on a Friday afternoon was the liquor store because they held them until Monday. And they knew on Monday it'd be good. So I would go in every Friday, buy me a 7-Up, and get my paycheck cashed. Would I do that today? No. I'd wait till Monday and go to the bank if that's what I had to do. Did you know what would happen the first time you saw my vehicle pull into a liquor store? It would be all over town. I mean, nobody would come to me and ask me about it. They'd just start telling everybody else about it. The pastor was at the liquor store. Abstain from all appearances. Just because you think you can doesn't mean you ought to. Ask the Lord, how does it look? in verses 23 24 it says and the very God of peace shall sanctify you look at that and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ I want to be ready to meet him faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God is not going to fail you and I. All of the word is written so that you and I would know the facts and the truth. You know, there's a song, and, and I, 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 I like to try to sing stuff here and there, but I'm not going to tonight. But, but there's an old song that says, Hold to God when things are Get a bulldog hold and don't let go. Would you stand with us this evening? Heavenly Father, tonight we thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. We thank you, dear God, for your grace, knowing tonight, Father, that you are alive and well, sitting on the throne. You do rule and reign. And Lord, there's nothing going on in this life today that you've not allowed to happen. It may not, Father, and I would say, Lord, tonight, a lot of things are not what you choose for us to be doing but because of the hardness of our hearts because of the rejection of our souls dear God they, there's just a work that goes on and does it's evil Lord men hate you and despise you and don't fear you any longer and yet here we are tonight in the church dear God and we are the ones who are supposed to be just the opposite who love you, choose you, want you dear God fear you, respect you want to honor you and lift you up dear God Lord, it seems like we're getting quieter and quieter. 
getting to be fewer and fewer. God, if there's hearts out there that need to be saved, I know they are. Lord, again, if it's your desire to add them to the church today, there's such as should be saved, dear God, and there should be here. Father, we pray send them our way and help us be light. God, if there are those sitting by the wayside and the Lord, Father, they're distracted, dear Lord, I pray tonight, dear God, help them, Lord. Remove, Father, the distraction, dear God. Help them, Father, choose you over the distractions. Lord, help us tonight to do what we need to do for your namesake and your namesake alone. We'll praise you, Father. We'll thank you, Father. We'll give you glory, Father, in Jesus' name. And amen. And amen. Is there anything on anybody's heart tonight before we dismiss? All the time. All the time. God is